0: Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Lawrence Myas. Lawrence is a fourth generation member of their family business, Louis Hymanson Steel and Salvage in Clarksville, Tennessee. Louis Hymanson Steel and Salvage is a family-owned and operated business that has been serving Clarksville since 1896. Well, good morning, Lawrence. I am so glad that you could join me this morning for this edition of Family Business Today. I've been looking forward to our interview to learn more about the Hymanson family and your family business. Louis Hammondsan Steel and Salvage. Uh, thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me on this nice November day. <laughs> it is a beautiful day outside. So, so let's get started. Uh, your family business, Louis Hammondsan Steel and Salvage, located in Clarksville, Tennessee, was founded in 1896. Times had to be a lot different back then than, than they are today. What line of business was your great-great-grandfather in when he started the business nearly 125 years ago?
1: Uh, yes, sir. He started out as basically a fur trader uh, in a small little town in southern Kentucky called Katie's. Uh He didn't stay there very long. Uh, and what attracted him to the Clarksville area, uh, like most things at that time, it was very dependent on the rail and the river system. And Clarksville, uh, for the history folks out there, may be known as the dark fire tobacco capital of the world. So it was very set up as a river town. It also had the rail, uh, rail system. Uh, two railroads served serve Clarksville. And so he was attracted there predominantly for the river and the ability to export to different areas of the country and even out of the country. Uh, and we had a customs house here. Uh, that was already set up for all that because of mainly the the dark fire tobacco trade. So uh, he moved to Clarksville and uh, moved the business to Clarksville and opened up his first storefront in approximately 1896. Uh, before that time, he actually traded out of like a wagon, that sort of thing. Uh, of course, no vehicles around uh, that, that long ago was before the before the vehicle had really been invented. So he was out of a wagon, horse, and buggy, and then opened up a storefront right downtown on the Clarksville Square. Um, And he set up mainly to deal in furs uh, from all types of animals, raccoons, foxes, uh, on up to uh, to anything that was available. And then he expanded into hides and wools and roots. And the scrap metal business and the recycling business, even to bones, uh, was was wow. traded back in those days. Yes, anything you could almost think of uh, was traded in those days. And basically, he was a trading post uh, for this area uh, in the late 1800s into the early 1900s. Uh, we have sell some of the old ledgers, uh, and they would write down the person's name and either the pounds or how many uh, they had as far as wolves or the hides or the or the furs. You know, we have things down where it says like two, two fox hides and three rabbit hides and, and those sort of things. So that, that's kind of what it started out as. And uh, as my dad took over the business later, he would talk about the old timers that came in old-timers being in the 1970s and 60s old-timers, you know, were around in the first, the the turn of the century, in the turn of the 1900s. And they would talk about the big trip was coming into town from, you know, 10 or 12, 15 miles away, and they would sell all their products like that at his location, and they would go to the hardware store or the the grocery and and buy all the things they needed and and take those home. So basically a... Uh, a trading post like you would think about out west or in the movies and it was located right here in tennessee in a completely
0: different time frame so wow that's a great that's a great story i can see a movie right now and john wayne's playing your (laughs) grandfather (laughs) now that would have been a good movie (laughs) (laughs) great story great story well uh that was then, but what about now? What does Louis hyman sign Steel and Salvage do today, and, and what family members are involved? Yep, so he passed the business down to his.
1: He had three sons that worked in the business, um, starting in the 20s and, and then all the way up until the 70s. The three sons uh, worked the business, his three sons, and uh, they took the business into being more in the salvage area, though we still did the hide, the, wor- the wools, the furs, the roots, all of that uh, throughout the 70s. My grandfather, specifically Seymour Hymanson, um, he started an auto parts uh, business, selling auto parts for repairs in the 50s, and that lasted through the 60s. And with increased competition from now auto zones and those things uh, kind of made that unprofitable. So he dropped the auto parts and went into selling new steel uh, in the 70s, new steel for construction and fabrication and maintenance of, of, of things. And so that's kind of where we have taken it. My dad picked it up in the late 70s, early 80s uh, with my mom and uh, we moved locations out of the square in the early 80s, got off the square uh, with everything and moved out to a different location with 40 acres and a a bigger building and and those sort of of things and um, allowed us to expand the new steel side of things. And so we got more heavily into that. Um, Over the years, we've kind of dropped the, the hides and the furs. Uh, Were the were the first things to kind of be dropped uh, in the in the early '80s? Wow. Okay. uh, When we moved, and um, we we kept doing roots. I mean, I remember up until even in the 2000s, we did roots, and we bought walnuts up to just a few years ago, Uh, and we still do the scrap metal part of everything. Uh, But really, the focus now has become the new steel with with the scrap metal and the recycling mm. uh part of things. Oh good uh, story. It, great story. Yes, sir. As far as the as far as the folks involved, it's it's me and my dad. Unfortunately we we lost my mom a couple of years ago, uh, suddenly to, to an illness. Um, but me and my dad are the family members uh that are still involved in the operation, but it's truly uh, in
0: one family uh in one family tree oh that's that's awesome i'm sure sorry uh, <clears throat> sorry about the loss of your, your mother but uh, uh just from some of the uh, pictures and things i've seen uh, I saw that you see that your dad and you love to travel and see national parks And so we'll talk about that some more in in a few minutes uh about that but uh yeah, I was just thinking about it growing up uh one of the things that my my dad would always um uh, offer me to, to make money was was to pick up walnuts uh, in the yard in the fall and and take them in to the to Chapro uh, uh, Farm Supply and and get a few nickels for it and then that was my candy money and my Coca Cola money <laughs> for the next few weeks Absolutely. so so that's cool so uh, uh when did you so when did you join what what year did you join the family business
1: well I think it's kind of like a lot of <laughs> and, and we're on the smaller side, we're not a big corporation, but I think on the smaller side family businesses it's mm-hmm. not so much join as being drafted and when <laughs> I like you're you were you're drafted when you were born you know it was kinda of one of those things in the summertime when I wasn't in school. you know everybody went to work, so I went to work, and you know I just kind of grew up in that environment, and uh you know that I mean my dad and mom have pictures or you know the old video VCR recorders mm-hmm. um, from when I was like four and five, and I'm out in the warehouse, you know, doing stuff with customers and 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 processing cans or or, or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, it was just one of those truly drafted inherited type things where there was no like uh, joining at any specific time. Mm-hmm. I, it's just where I grew up down there. It was a second home basically. Sure, sure.
0: Well, I love that. Not joined, but drafted. Well, hey, let's <laughs> let, let's talk about that just a little bit. So you're the fourth generation and the family business goes back a, almost 125 years. And uh, data shows that only 4% of family-owned businesses make it to the fourth generation beyond. So what is your family business secret to longevity?
1: Well, I think it comes down to basically two basic principles. First one, and we've, we've kind of already talked about a little bit, is, is adaptability willing to change and and modify not so stuck in in one thing that you that you just can't see what the trends are in the future or or have ability to shift and focus on different on different Mm -hmm. things as as times come and go um and and even now we're we're always modifying and adapting uh to what what what's going on Uh, we just we just recently purchased some new equipment and things we never been able to do before to do because it's just what the market demands and those types of things. So adapting to the market and the changing environment and climates and those sort of things. Um, you know, I don't think there's any secret if if you're still stuck doing furs and hides, there really wouldn't be much right. business for it right now. Unfortunately, you know, we've lost a lot of our manufacturers of hides, all were sold to shoes and we don't really make shoes in the United States out of leather anymore. So mm-hmm. You know, there's just the market changes and the market fluctuates on those things. So being able to adapt. And then the second thing that I think a lot of especially newer and and smaller businesses um, struggle with and, and even some of the more established ones and even some bigger ones is is kind of living within your means and not overextending and putting away money when when the economy is good and there is extra money, not blowing it or over expanding or over extending yourself, but putting stuff away for a rainy day because those times will come, and putting stuff away for a hard day, and, and making sure that you keep your debt low and and those things. So living living within your means and, and investing in your business, but not overextending yourself, so that you're leveraged too much. So I, I think those are the my my personal what I've seen in over the last thirty odd years is and that would that would be the two secrets to me
0: well thanks for sharing that Lawrence and I think uh uh anyone who's in in business in general or in family business would totally agree with you, especially twenty twenty with the coronavirus. Uh, and the pandemic and uh, the recession that's gone along with it, adaptability and willing to change is certainly um, uh, uh, a great business secret to longevity and and also living within your means. Uh, we have had a great uh, uh, eight to ten years, a really great business up until 2020. So uh, uh, when those times are really uh, good, it's not overextending yourself so that you have the uh, flexibility. Uh, when times do get tough and they do get there. So thanks for sharing that. And I, I, so I can see why you you and your family have been able to, to uh, uh, do that for over 125 years. So obviously you never knew your great-great-grandfather, but what family values have been passed down from generation to generation that are still consistent in how you do business today compared to 1896?
1: I think the biggest thing is is customers and how you treat customers and value customers because either one of the businesses we're in, it's all customer based mm-hmm. and if you don't take care of the customer uh, and meet their needs and show them, you know, you're willing to do whatever you can to help them, help them do that. It's just it's not going to work. You're not going you're not going to be in business for a long time. And when when places or businesses or people start shortcutting people, um, that's that's when they struggle. Um, so I, I think that's the the big one uh, is, is the customers. You got you got to take care of your customers. And you know I can just give you a story from a few weeks back that a shipment had been delayed uh, coming into us. It was no fault of ours, but our customer still needs the material, couldn't get it. We had to do some processing to it, you know. I drove, you know, we got there. I drove myself the truck after hours to the pickup point, uh, to the to the uh, to the shipping point uh, where they was getting shipped into to the Mm -hmm. to the hub to the shipping hub, picked it up and delivered it, you know, after hours on a on a Friday night so they could work on it all weekend because it just had to be done. Uh, and that those customer relations customer service treating customers well that's that's how you that that's the secret I think or, or and that's what I think we we still do the same
0: as cool. I think they did back then in those days <laughs> oh I'm sure they did I'm sure they did I'm sure they did uh, well that that's great so uh, treat your customers well go the extra mile uh, you know and it it's not a. It's not a being a small business, family business. It's not a nine to five job. You uh, mm. if it requires evenings or weekends or whatever. You do what you do to take care of your, to treat your customers well. So uh, thanks for sharing that. Well, you know, being a trading post, and you've t- already talked about the old timers and. Uh, I, I remember the old timers uh, coming by our family business, but, uh, I was a very little boy. So the old timers back, uh, back then probably were your age, <laughs> <laughs> but to me, they were, they were old timers. But anyway, <laughs> I, I understand your place is not just a business, but it's a gathering place for people to come and talk about everything from their medical history to politics. So tell us about that. I and I, I think that comes
1: from you know just that it's not family is probably too strong a word but when you come in you just you feel like there's people there that at least your friends and and your neighbors and it's interesting to see a lot of times that one person will be in the a customer will be in the shop and in walk somebody else and they're like. Joe, I haven't seen you in three years. And the conversation ensues for 30 minutes because they haven't seen them or, you know, and, and so that's one of those interesting things. Clarksville though, it is growing and growing very fast. Uh, it's still got that small town aspect to it, especially out of, out of the city limits in the country. And we service a lot of the farmers and, and those types of folks who will come in and it's still got a lot of that mentality and so folks come in and, and free to talk about politics and world events and of course the coronavirus is dominating I think anywhere you go today but um, uh, and what's going on where they have surgeries or you know, their brother got sick or and those sort of things. So I think it's I think it's just a comfort factor that you'd feel like in you know, like the Cheers bar type Scenario Mm -hmm. where everybody knows your name when you walk in the door. That's cool. That's
0: cool. That's cool. I I think that's where that comes from. That's good. Well, you know, I I wasn't exactly sure. I uh, I know you weren't a restaurant or whatever, but I I was uh, thinking about my dad, uh, uh, who I worked with in our family business for over seventeen years. He would invite me uh, to join him at what they call the table of wisdom with his friends. When I was growing up, he. Reminded me of a a Mark Twain quote I was thinking about. It's better to remain silent and be thought of, uh, thought a fool, than to talk and remove all doubt. (laughs) Are there. Uh, so, uh, I'm trying to imagine, is, is there a wood stove and a coffee pot? Uh, uh, what are the requirements to become a member at your gathering place? I may want to come and join sometime.
1: <laughs> yes, that's one of my favorites because uh, a lot of people do open up their mouths and remove all doubt. So, uh, vote, and you see it on TV every day and somehow they people pay them lots of money to remove all doubts. Yeah, so I, yeah. I don't know how quite how that works. But uh, you know, there's no central spot. There's a big counter there and people come up and place orders. And, you know, I think when I was younger, and you know, shoe size, age under 10 and 12, you know, it's definitely the wise thing to do to, to not open up your mouth. It was just you sit there and gather knowledge
0: yeah
1: and I think at a certain point when you gathered enough and then somebody asked you a question every now and then and you responded with a thoughtful answer that okay well maybe we'll ask him another question you you know and and that sort of thing so it's kind of one of those things where and I think that's a growing up part of thing and, and being a small business is not not interrupted not not throwing in your two cents because you probably don't know, you know, that it, it you you would consider yourself a fool. So just just being patient and and soaking in knowledge, and then at a certain point in time, just then then it's time to start giving a little bit of it back. No,
0: that's awesome. That's great. That's great. Well, let's change the courses just a little bit. Uh, I understand that uh, you and Curtis enjoy going on trips to national parks uh what's what's been your favorite national park and and what uh have you seen or what have you enjoyed about being with Curtis that will be a memory that will last a lifetime to you oh absolutely we started i'd say it's been now
1: good twelve years ago uh with when we just decided you know we'd done all the family trips to the beach and a cruise ship into an island in bahamas mm-hmm. and to las vegas we'd done all the normal <laughs> you know those and we started we were th- sitting around thinking we're like you know where's something interesting we just kind of looked at the. i remember one day just kind of looking at a map and saying you know i've always wanted to go west never you know i've been flown into cities but never just like driven mm-hmm. really west across the rockies and the dakotas and those sort of areas and we just started looking it's like you know what about all these national parks and you see pictures online and and so that's how we got started in the in the national park realm and and uh, we've had a great time we usually try to go once or twice a year of course with corona we, we unfortunately both of our trips that we had planned got canceled this year um but it's it's been great experiences uh, to the amazing things that our country has to offer, um, that if we don't explore, and, and some of them are even as close as a few hours away in, in the Smokies, but it's amazing how many people you talk to that live here in Tennessee, in Clarksville or Nashville, and never even drive a few hours over to the Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. But, but the amazing things is from the smallest unheard of place to the places that have the huge name that everybody knows, Smokies or the Grand Canyon or, and those sort of things. Uh, it's just amazing to see. And then to be able to do that, you know, when we talk about family businesses, you work with your family every day, and a lot of times you get bogged down in the stresses of it uh, because, I'm, like I'm sure you know, you, you try not to take it home, but as a small business owners, you always are worrying about something or a concern or this or that happens um, so to have that week or two every once in a while and just be able to unplug from all that and not think about it and just enjoy being as a family and and enjoy nature and hiking and, and I'm big into photography so I, I've, I've taken a lot of photos uh, that's that's truly the best thing and just to enjoy each other's company and not just unplug from work uh, completely during those times is is really uh is really the best thing as as far as the my favorite national park is really tough we we took a trip and did several in alaska mm. uh, about four or five years ago and if you haven't been if, if folks out there haven't been to alaska uh it is is worth every penny you have to pay on the air flight it's unlike anything you'll see uh in the lower 48 states that i've been to and i've I've been to almost all of them. Uh, amazing wilderness, amazing country, and and during that trip we took a we actually had to take a float plane. Uh, we flew out of Anchorage for just the day uh, on a on a, a fairly big propeller plane, like 30 40 person propeller plane. We flew into a place called King Salmon, Alaska, hmm. and that's really the name of this place, King Salmon, Alaska. And it, the airport is big enough to handle a, a fairly decent-sized little prop plane, uh, but it's small enough that the people guiding the plane onto the up to the baggage terminal, the same people unloading the bags, and the same people checking in inside. Mm-hmm. So it's not very big,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but that's an interesting. It's an interesting place, no. and you you get shuttled from there over to actually a little float plane center. And you get on a little Cessna float plane and you can take about a 20-minute plane ride and lands on the water and to a place called Katmai National Park. And if you're lucky enough to go there during the month of July, uh, the salmon are spawning and they have the grizzly bears are all over the place hunting salmon. And you go to bear school when you get there and in the Forty years, roughly, the park has been established. Uh, They have only had to put down one bear. They've only had one bear incident with a bear and a human Uh, because every human that the bears encounter all go through this bear school, and you're all trained in the same way, and everybody behaves exactly the same. You can't take any food out. So bears see humans as just another thing walking around in in the forest, not as a food source. And so you literally get to walk amongst the grizzly bears.
0: Oh, cool, cool. Well, thanks. For, that's awesome. Well, I mean, it's it's an amazing
1: experience. I mean, when you're 10 foot away from a 1,000-pound grizzly bear and it just walks by like it has no care in the world. It's, oh, wow, wow. It's amazing. Well, I'm going to put that on
0: my bucket list of things to do. Thanks for sharing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, we talked about unplugging from work, uh, and um, we, we, we have the uh, – uh, thanksgiving and christmas uh season twenty twenty uh, coming up here in a few weeks um, and and i don't know about you but eating is an important part of our american family tradition what's your family holiday traditions what does the Mize family talk about around the Sunday dinner table
1: uh yes sir we, well we love to uh we love to talk sports especially me and my dad uh where Favorite we always team? like talk about sports uh well the titans of course we're talking about football we've got to support the titans okay uh and then we uh we have a local college here in town austin pete we, we okay? love it we love all their sports me and my dad both graduated from austin pete okay uh and, and uh several other different but that's our two main ones is, got austin okay. Peay and, the, and the Titans. i so, love talking about sports uh politics to a certain extent current events those sort of things and and hopefully we're we'll planning our next vacation when it, when it comes to that, but uh we try i guess the biggest thing is we try, and sometimes successfully unsuccessfully, we try to unplug and not talk about work mm-hmm. uh, we do we do that enough at work, so uh, we we try to talk about everything but that if we can
0: no, so, okay, oh that's uh, cool that's cool well um yeah, that's that try to unplug well you certainly have a very special family you have a great relationship with your dad you have a great history legacy of of your your family going back 125 years but uh and like i say you said uh you didn't necessarily know that you uh, had the invitation to join, but you were drafted in the family business but but there's there's a lot of, of our listeners who may be uh, considering joining the family business or maybe a parent who's thinking about inviting their children to join the family business. What advice would you offer to the next generation who may be considering joining their family business?
1: Uh, I would say the first thing is um, especially is patience. Um, because everybody, especially when you're younger, you've got new ideas and new ways of doing things. And, and a lot of those are usually could be good. Some could be neutral. Some could be bad, but you're coming in from the outside. If, if you're joining, you've never really been inside of it. You're coming from the outside and, and it's going to take patience because you can't come in and expect to, for the older generation to change especially very quickly. Uh, you know, and they've seen a lot, done a lot and had probably a lot of success so they look at it and say, Why should I change? You know, if mm-hmm. what's if it if it's not broke, don't fix it. And of course the younger generation, you know, the twenties and thirties, uh, you know, is is a different world and, and really the world has really changed, especially a lot over the last ten years with emails and social media and the way people communicate and, mm-hmm. and all that and, and way things are processed and the computer automation that's now available. And a lot of the older generations, are, that's not necessarily foreign, but it's, it's a harder concept to grasp. They don't pick up. It's harder for them to pick up, and they don't want to feel like they're being set aside. Um, so patience, uh, I think, is a good virtue to have. And not jumping in, especially if you're coming from the outside in, and trying to change things right away. You need to learn why things work a certain way, because that may be the best way to do it, even though it doesn't look that way from the outside. And and really learning, taking a back seat for the first several years and learning the processes, learning the business. And then where there is um, opportunities to say, you know what, we're still doing things like this, I read about this, and I think we could integrate it. And we're still doing things something the same way, but this part is changing. Mm-hmm. Um cool. And I feel, I, and I'm I'm not old by any means, but I feel as I as I get closer closer to forty, that even I've become a little bit behind on some of the up and coming things that are that are that are happening. And it, and it is I can, it's harder to learn. It's even in, in my young of an age, so it's sure. it's tough to. You know, to make a lot of wholesale changes. So patience, taking time, learning—I think—is the—is the big thing.
2: Very good. Take time to learn, be patient, and I, I know I've—I've—I've I've, I've come uh, to uh, learn that uh, having mentors, and a lot of uh, my mentors are are uh, uh, ten years younger than you. So uh, I've just—I've learned to learn from those next generations to really helps out well gosh 2021 125 years uh in business congratulations so thank you how what does the future look like uh for the mice family Uh, i think one of the things
1: that uh that i like to always say and think about is is the famous quote change is the only constant in life so you know, the future is is always a constant change. You know, we're we're always looking at, at staying healthy is the number one thing as far as the family and then and then keeping the business viable and continuing to adapt to the, the the things that are that are coming down the road and staying flexible and upgrading. We we try to work on upgrading our technology or our capabilities. Uh, at least do something every year to to upgrade or or replace equipment or or expand and uh, that that's the way you keep moving forward i think and you know if we're lucky enough in in another 125 years at 250 there's one of my relatives or or somebody (laughs) is a is doing another interview with somebody, probably not called a podcast anymore, but yeah. who knows what it'll be called. <laughs> oh, I
2: love that. I love that. I love that. Well, I won't be here to do it, but uh, it, was, it was certainly that would be an awesome thing to do, to to do that. So uh, that's great. Well, we're coming to the end of our time together, Lawrence. Do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, I just, as I read the sheet you handed me out and I read a little bit about you,
1: I think you have a nice little statement quote down there, and it deals with with, uh, with family businesses, and you call it a unique challenge. And I think that probably sums up a family business is there's very unique challenges. Every business has challenges, but being part of the family and a family business, I think, always always presents unique challenges. And I think just with patience and flexibility, adaptability, I think uh, people can really succeed in really family business from 1896 to hopefully still considered today day in 2020. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's still the American dream in all reality is, is to start with nothing and build to have something and have something to pass down to your children. Mm. So hopefully uh, that's still considered the American dream. I know it was in, in 1896, but I, but I think it's always full of unique challenges and, and, uh, but you, I think with overcoming unique challenges, you, you get um, grand opportunities and
2: and and really fulfilled lives. So. Oh, wow. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, Lawrence, thank you for being our guest on Family Business Today. Hey, I appreciate you having me, sir, and enjoy your weekend. Well, I appreciate that. Well, uh, we want to make sure if you want to learn more about Louis Hammerson Steel and Salvage, and uh, Lawrence and Curtis mies visit their website at com.
0: To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, located in Nashville, Tennessee, our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, their business performs, and one day they can celebrate a successful transition. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business, or you're wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business consultant about your specific family business issues, send us an email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. Until next time, thanks for joining us.